The Conspiracy Podcast contains adult language, suggestive themes, sexual situations, and discussions of some pretty horrific events. Basically, all the good stuff. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Conspiracy. I am one of your hosts, Liz. Hello, I'm Renee. What up? My name's Katie. <laughs> Do you ever feel like Katie was just supposed to be like permanently on the Amanda show? <laughs> I feel like, yes. I was going to say Saved by the Bell. Like she's supposed to be like the rebellious kid who occasionally appears in like the... <laughs> The episodes where you're supposed to learn that drugs are bad. But oh, the Amanda yeah. show also works. Katie's the one that's like offering a cigarette to Slater. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, like on. Gia from uh, Full House. Oh, true. When, uh, mm-hmm. Gia was Steph, hot. All right. I want to be Gia. I don't want to be on fucking Saved by the Bell. Okay. Well, that's you, fine. Uh, both shows are off the air. So um, your chances of either is, is zero. Also, Saved by the Bell is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but I watched Full House more than I watched Saved by the Bell. Well, that's something. And that I did, tells me everything I need to I, know. The yeah. episode with Gia in the bathroom and stuff, I was like, oh, wow, that's so badass. That's how I felt when I first saw Tori on Saved by the Bell. So true. I was just like eight years old, like, I hope this doesn't awake anything in me. <laughs> Welcome back. It's been a while. Has it? Yeah. I guess a little bit. Yeah. It's been, what, like two weeks? Week. Well, since the last time that you guys heard us, we went, like, baby small town viral. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, baby viral. I like that. Yeah, like, like a baby viral infection. Like, we're not, like, wow. we're not, like, coronavirus level, Ooh. but we're, like, uh, we're, like, H1N1, like, we, m- maybe, maybe a small swine flu. Yeah. This may be the last time we record an episode because the pandemic of the coronavirus. God, I hope so. You work in customer service. You do a lot of socializing. Yeah, but not with, like, people where I'm touching them or being in their, like, nose, mouth, ear mm-hmm. space. You, you know? don't make out with all your customers? I guess some of them. No, that's just the personal bakery touch that you I add, I was about Katie. to say. That's, I mean, every customer before they leave, I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Katie's like, uh, so is that going to be cash, card, or tongue? And they're like, what? <laughs> and she's like, get ready. <laughs> you... <laughs> One of these days, we're going to have to film us recording so everyone can see just how lame we truly are. 
No, let's keep, I like to keep them in the dark. Well, yeah, um, we're back. We're better than ever. We got almost 300 likes on one of our Instagram posts. So basically, um, we've taken over the world. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know all of y'all were into serial killers like that. Who knew I people know. liked true crime? Jesus. I'm so confused. It's almost like, you know, trendy or something. <laughs> Murder. <laughs> Murder. Death. And this week, we're going to get even more murderous. Possibly the most murderous that anyone has ever been. Well, yeah. Like, definitely already the most prolific serial killer in America. Possibly of all time. Possibly the world. Possibly the world. Possibly the universe. Possibly the fucking crazy. all the universes. We don't know how many uh, Gazorpazorp has killed, but, you know, it He varies. told me last night while we were in bed. It's not the same. Oh, okay. I'm. Is it even like... Uh, can you even translate it into She's a language more of a lover we would understand? Oh, okay, than a fighter, okay. you know. Gotcha. This tea is so good. Oh yes, let me talk about the tea we're drinking. So unsurprisingly, although if you're a new listener, you probably don't know this, but we are big, huge, mega fans of oh, tea. a tea company. Well, tea in general, and a tea company called August Uncommon. And the tea we are drinking this week is called Psycho Candy. Which is very fitting because I think you would have to be a little bit psycho to kill this many people and be like happy totally about cool. it. Yeah, like totally cool with it and not like remorseful at all. So first of all, this tea smells amazing. I wish Seriously. I could invite every single one of you listeners into the pod cave with us right now, even though when you're listening to this, it's in the future, so you can't come. But it smells amazing and it tastes even better if that were possible. It is a darkly sweet rooibos with pumpkin and caramel. And like it's what I like about it is I feel like you get a first hit of pumpkin and then like caramel is kind of like the aftertaste. Mm-hmm. So you get like this really sweet finish. And for some reason it kind of smells like 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 Trace Leches sort of. Mm-hmm. But then when you drink it, it's like I'm really in my, like, white girl fall element. Yeah, it's really like a fall tea, which is not super fitting, but it's still delicious. I'm I mean, okay kind of, it. though, because all of his confessions were in the fall. That's true. Ish. That's true. That was his most productive time. Um, if you'd like to know what it tastes like, according to August Uncommon, it tastes like baked pumpkin, salted butter caramel, and golden syrup. Mm. And it feels like a brisk walk under a harvest moon. Before a giant six foot three man punches you in the face and strangles you to death. I might have added that last part. I love it. And if you guys are new, um, first of all, thanks for listening. Yes. And second of all, we would love it if you guys would drink tea with us too. Oh, yeah. Like while you're listening. And then tell us what you're drinking. Yes. And I promise this isn't a cult. It's a a cult. It might be a cult. It's fine. It's a cult with a capital T. Aw, that's so cute. <laughs> Lame. Well, she's fired. Oh my god. Anyways, Katie's taking, dead. So taking her tea away. You guys ready to get into it? I'm yes. personally very excited. We are super excited for you to hear about this guy because I personally feel like it is kind of ridiculous that he's not more publicized. I know. Like I only, I only know about him because a friend of mine forwarded me a news article like six months ago like i have never heard about him on any other podcast or on any other like crime show 
So it's really interesting considering like the breadth of his crimes that nobody's really nobody's really heard of him much. But let's get into it. So let's talk a little bit about Samuel Little and and the way he was growing up and maybe maybe gave way to why he did what he did. Yeah, that's um, Samuel Little was born Samuel McDowell on June 7th, 1940 in Reynolds, Georgia, which Reynolds, Georgia is a very small rural town in the middle of nowhere, South Georgia. I mean, all you really have to say is South Georgia. There's like one city with any like big population in South Georgia. Maybe two. Um, So Little's mother was apparently a teenage prostitute in Reynolds, Georgia. Um, and she had a lot of run-ins with the law, and it's rumored that Samuel Little was actually born during one of his mother's prison stays, which would give him already off to a pretty rough start in life. Oh, shit. Um, there was another rumor, uh, some other articles that claim that Samuel's mother, uh, abandoned him on the side of a dirt road. Um, but, um, he... Not too long after he was born, his family moved to Lorraine, Ohio, where he was raised mostly by his grandmother, Um, which he, I guess his family probably wanted to move far away from where he grew up. They moved to fucking Ohio from Georgia. That's fair. (laughs) They're like, especially if it's like his mom isn't involved. Right. Like, let's get you the fuck away. Exactly. Let's get you somewhere safe where you can flourish. So... Little Samuel Little did not stay on a very like steady path. Uh, he started committing crimes as a teenager, with uh, theft being one of like the m- small little starts that he would have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he was sixteen, he was arrested for the first time. Um, he dropped out of high school. Um, all of his crimes eventually landed him in a juvenile detention center, and he continued on a wrong path after being released from the detention center. And by the time Little was 35, he had been arrested over 25 times across 11 states. That's wild. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> like, Good Lord. That's a lot. Of, I mean, he was, and like I read, he was... Uh, he moved around a lot. Mm-hmm. He lived a very nomadic life. Mm-hmm. He did not stay put in one place for too long, which is another way he could have gotten away with so many murders. <laughs> yes. Um, so some of the crimes that uh, Little was, uh, that committed, that he committed over the 11 different states were ranged from fraud, DUI, assault, armed robbery, and rape. And before he was convicted for murder in 2014, he escaped two other murder charges against him. Mm -hmm. Um, So he spent, you know, a good a good chunk of time behind bars. And while he was behind bars, um, he became an avid boxer and claimed he could have eventually been a prize fighting boxer. But he clearly was like, that's, you know, that's not exciting enough for me. So <laughs> why would I make why? lots of money? Exactly. Why would I go on to like just instead of like taking my aggression out in a way that is actually deemed OK and appropriate? I'm just going to go down this route and just take it out in this way. <laughs> With my weird girlfriend who will just shoplift it's constantly fine. to make sure we can eat. <laughs> Sounds plausible. You know, <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, even um, other inmates, they said he was a pretty, you know, 
pretty good boxer. Yeah. Could have made something of himself, which he did. He, he did in, in a different way. So, yeah, Little claims to have committed 93 murders from 1970 to 2005. He cannot recall the exact dates. Um, he can't recall, you know, the exact locations or the names of all the murders that he committed. Um, but he can tie them together and, like, giving names, like, maybe some names and then mm-hmm. being, like, Oh, well, I think this happened here. And then the police have been able to kind of tie it together in that way. Yeah. Um, but he also drew pictures of his victims, which I think you're going to touch base on some of those portraits. Hell yeah. yeah. So All I have to say about those, a quick note, is I don't know if you guys were obsessed uh, with Napoleon Dynamite as much as oh I was. Oh, my God. But they are so similar. Yes, to they the really are. the picture he drew of Trish. Yes! For prom, yes. you really love the shading like, on her upper lip. Like an hour and a half. <laughs> if you uh, actually go to the FBI.gov website, um, that's where you can see his portraits. I feel like I don't know if and they released you can all hear of his them. interviews. Oh, there's Which a lot of portraits on this website. There's at least sixteen. I feel like so they've released. Weird. I don't know if they've released all of them. I now. don't know, but yeah, they are. Please check them out, and Renee will touch base on more of this. Hell yeah. um, <laughs> it's just uh, be patient. We'll probably post them on our Instagram. We will. Yes. Um. So, among uh one of his first few victims was um a transgender woman around the age of eighteen or nineteen that Little met in Miami, Florida, in nineteen seventy one or nineteen seventy two, named Mary Ann. Which I don't know why, but the FBI website gave like I guess. He wasn't sure if it was spelled one way or if it was spelled another way. Oh yeah, I and saw so that. he like, I mean, which why does it matter if you're ki- you murdered them? Like why? Yeah, why does exactly. it matter? <laughs> but anyways, so I thought that was an interesting tidbit for him to like be like, it's either Marianne spelled this way or Marianne with a Y and then an A N N E, and it's like, yeah, it was really weird. Okay, yeah, I can't imagine that he would have cared that much. Exactly. But that's he wasn't, like his he wasn't weird, asking but that's, him. But that's something that a lot of serial killers do. They notice and yeah. they and they talk about the weirdest things after they've committed the murders. Of like, why do you, why why is that something that you care about? Mm-hmm. Like you 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 want to get the name right, but you murdered them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I have stuff to talk about for that. Yeah, actually, for sure. so. Little had two encounters with Marianne. Um, both meetings that he had with her happened at a bar in Miami. And the second meeting became Marianne's demise, unfortunately. Little drove Marianne to her house after they left the bar together. And the house that she was living in, uh, she shared with roommates. And when Little and Marianne got back to the house, one of the roommates asked them to go back out and buy some shaving cream. Which I thought was also another bizarre, like, why can't you just say they just asked us to go to the store and get them something? He's like, they wanted us to go get shaving cream. Yes, well, the weird this details. Like another weird fact about him is that he was, like, genius level smart. Yeah. Like, it's very mm-hmm. strange. He remembers things from, like, years and years and years and years prior. Like, I don't even know what I ate for breakfast yesterday. Right. Yes. And he's like, yep, it was shaving cream. Barbasol, actually. Like, it's very weird. Um, so Little and Marianne got back into Little's car and drove north down Highway 27. And it was down that highway that Little pulled over and, uh, strangled Marianne. 
After he strangled Marianne, he drove further down Highway 27, dragged Marianne's body into thick, muddy water down a dirt road, and the body has believed, uh, he believes that the body has never been found, um, which it's in Florida, thick, muddy water, alligators. I was going to say, that yeah. was dinner. Maybe, there you go. That um, was something or someone's dinner. <laughs> so, Little's... Uh, Little claims to have committed his first murder in Homestead, Florida, which if he was in Florida in 1971 or 1972 and had murdered Marianne then, it could have very well put him in the state of Florida around 1970, which is where he 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 says that he first committed his mm-hmm. very first murder. Um, but there has been no evidence of his first murder actually happening in Homestead, Florida. And one thing... One, thing that little did when he was um committing these murders was like he said and i think liz is going to touch base on this basically the type of people that he would murder were the Mm -hmm. people who were more so unwanted individuals in society um so he basically knew that people weren't really gonna Mm -hmm. care too much about certain people that he was murdering because they were the low lives in society yeah, he so, was murdering the marginalized. Yes, so the concept of the less dead, right. mm-hmm. which I'll talk about a little bit more. <clears throat> but my question of all of this is, we know that his mother was a teenage prostitute, um, or so he says she was. So did his murdering rampage stem from his mother being considered a lady of the night, which is what he called her? Mm-hmm. Um, or did it stem from his mother not being in his life because he pretty much murdered except for i think one person or was it two like all of his murders were women yep yep or women presenting exactly Exactly. yes so he definitely had some hatred and a lot of black women women. yes and towards prostitutes and drug addicts and people who were low lower Mm -hmm. in society um which did he? I mean, was he like on drugs or anything ever at any point? No, but I think it's very easy to just like literally chalk it up to the unfortunately like common issue of like mommy issues and sex worker mm-hmm. issues. Right. Like his mom was one, she abandoned him, he hated it, he wanted everyone to pay that was like her. Exactly. Yeah. Black and a sex worker. He was, well, he also killed white women. Right. And he was a drug dealer for a time, but I'm That's not. Right. Sure, I don't if he ever he did drugs. Yeah. No, I don't think he was a user. I think he just dealt drugs. Yeah, I agree. Which I think for Most that dealers don't. No, I think for that it was one a source of revenue and two a way for him to gain victims, mm-hmm. which is okay. what happened a few times. Yep. One of the main reasons Little's murders went undetected for so long was that many of his victims and attempted victims were on the fringes of society. So sex workers. Um, women who were homeless, women who were drug addicts, etc. Um, and most of them were women of color, which just like doubles down on being on the outside of society. Mm-hmm. Um, Samuel Little told the New York Times, I never killed no senators or governors or fancy New York journalists. Nothing like that. I stayed in the ghettos. And to this day, many of his victims remain unidentified, uh, roughly around 40. I think Katie said 43. Most of their deaths were attributed to natural causes, drug overdoses, or accidents. And this is mostly because his method of killing was to punch his victims out cold. Because, like Katie said, while he was in jail, he became 
a pretty good boxer. So that was kind of his MO was to punch his victims out cold and then strangle them to death. And since there were no bullets or stab wounds, it was difficult to detect foul play and even more difficult to identify a murderer since there was little DNA evidence. Except, well, the LAPD gave him the nickname the Choke and Stroke Killer since he often masturbated while strangling his victims. Yeah. But this was in the 70s when you couldn't really test DNA the way we can today. So it just made a really gross crime scene. Was he masturbating after strangling them or was he strangling them and masturbating? During. That is a strong ass one-handed grip to have around somebody's neck to kill them in that personable of a way. Well, this, I mean, one of the things he would regularly do, especially with sex workers, is he would get up to the point where, say, they would give him a blowjob and that's when he would punch them and choke them while masturbating. In the middle of a blowjob? Before it had started. Oh. If they had started, he probably would have been in a great mood and he probably would have lived a happy life. I don't know. You're if you're a psycho and psychotic and fucked up, like I don't yeah. think it matters. So according to New York magazine, Little believed he was commissioned by God to kill his victims to alleviate their misery, which I think ties into what Katie was saying in that it's sort of like and also Something else that Liz pointed out and that he had so much hatred for his mother that I think he wanted to kill these people to prevent them from going through the struggles his mother Mm -hmm. went through. And other times he felt he was possessed by the devil. So as Katie talked about, he committed some minor crimes starting in his teenage years and then his murder career really took off in the 1970s in Florida. Picture it. Florida. 1970s. Cocaine's everywhere. So his first victim was an unidentified white woman who remains unidentified to this day. And then he committed three additional murders in Miami. Um, So it was Marianne who Katie mentioned and he provided a sketch for. And then another black woman named Linda who he also provided a sketch for. Um, He told the FBI that the third unidentified woman was possibly affiliated with the Air Force. So I'm going to talk a little bit about a few more of his victims just to kind of call out the many, many times that he could have been stopped and wasn't. So in September of 1976, he was arrested in Sunset Hills, Missouri, for the rape, assault with great bodily injury and robbery of Pamela K. Smith. She'd shown up hysterical on a stranger's doorstep after escaping his car and running nearly naked through the night. Her hands were bound behind her with a cloth and electrical cord. He had strangled, bitten, beaten, and sodomized her. And he was convicted of the lesser charge of assault with an attempt to ravish and served three months in jail. Which, I'm sorry, in a, an attempt to ravish is what I'm going to call my my uh, adult sexy literature series that I'm going to eventually... To is there going to be some Yeah, that's like a bodice ripper. Yes. Uh. Chupacabras ripping their bodices, and I'm going to call it an attempt <laughs> to ravish. If you are a new listener, too, by the way, make sure you go listen to our creepypasta episode. Yes, that's actually a really good place to start. Stop this episode right now. Go listen to Creepypasta and then come back. Yeah. 
and to this spot exactly. And that reference. Yes. And then you'll never listen to another episode ever again. <laughs> and you'll know that no, that's what that's Renee like reads every... late at night when she's going to bed next mm-hmm. to her wife. Um, in 1982, the nude strangled body of 26-year-old Patricia Mount was found in Alachua County, Florida. Probably pronouncing that wrong. Don't care. He likes Florida. Nobody cares. Well, he committed a lot of, like, Los Angeles and Florida were his main points. He likes the sunny points. places. Yes. Like, if you look at a map of his victims like it's it's like a curve yeah from that goes up to new england goes down into florida goes across like the southwest and then up into california and you got one in savannah right Mm -hmm. yeah yep so witness identified little as the man last seen leaving with mount in his brown pinto station wagon Ooh, sexy and hairs found on the victim were similar to his he was tried for the crimes but due to a lack of definitive physical evidence the jury acquitted him what year is this 1982. Yeah. So the following month, the remains of 22-year-old Melinda LaPree were found by a groundskeeper in a cemetery near the small Gulf Gulf town of Pascagoula, Mississippi, which is so fun to say. And if, Miss, sorry, Mississippi, but if you weren't such a shit state, I would definitely live in Pascagoula just so I could tell people I lived there. Honestly, just to write my address. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Pascagoula. Just get a P.O. box there. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and then we can just drive like four hours every week to get our mail. No. Ew. Sorry, Mississippi <laughs> listeners. <laughs> no. How would, how would we Me get our mail? They are like, yeah, we get to grow trips to listen to podcasts <laughs> together. It's like a little weekly friend date and we can go to Pasadena <laughs> Diner. Katie's like, what? Katie's like, does Mississippi actually exist? Oh, um, I stopped uh, when I took a Greyhound from Austin back to Atlanta. Um, We stopped in jackson mississippi and it was it was about I'm as going exciting as you think that it is yeah go calm we wanted some heart. food and we were like "Ooh, we, we're gonna go outside the greyhound station and get food real quick and the guy one of the bus drivers is like you don't want to go wander around the streets of jackson no like, okay no we're i good. feel i feel like miss mississippi was the last state to like ratify the 19th amendment and it was mm. it was recent Mm-hmm. So you can't even get mad at us for calling out your like, shit, it's Mississippi. Still 1952, right? Mississippi's like it's still 1852, right? <laughs> God, a little okay. So, um, back to Melinda Laprie, and this was three weeks after her boyfriend had reported her missing. Oh God, I don't even want to pronounce this, but let's go. So, a disarticulated hyoid bone and fractured. Cricoid cartilage indicated wow. strangulation. Look at me, Virgo for the win. Witnesses identified Little as the man with whom Laprie had been seen getting to that same brown pinto station wagon. Just like somebody, Schmed Schmundy, somebody doesn't know when to <laughs> change cars. Oh, Little changed cars though. Oh, he did, but like, I, was I mean, say. this was this was after he'd been arrested, and they this was like six years after they had been like, we know this car. And then he was like, I guess I'll keep it. I'm getting Sometimes rid of you it. you got to keep the same car to throw them off. <laughs> it can't be the same brown <laughs> Pinto station wagon. So two prostitutes were interviewed during the investigation, um, Hilda Nelson and Leela McLean, and they revealed that Little had assaulted and strangled each of them, though only Nelson had reported the crime, and each provided eyewitness identification during the trial. 
Little was arrested for Lepre's murder, but the charges were ultimately dismissed owing to a lack of physical evidence and a vague rumor of witness tampering. Later on, when Los Angeles detective Mitzi Roberts, who is a goddamn hero, Mm -hmm. like she is the hero of this story. Anyways, she questioned Nelson and McLean um, later after Little had been caught, and she asked McLean why she hadn't reported the attempted murder until the police interviewed her about Laprie, and McLean replied, "Ain't nobody cared until that white girl turned up dead a year later. Didn't nobody care about a black prostitute in Mississippi? No, ma'am, they didn't." And Sergeant Versiga, who had arranged the interview with the two women, seconded what she had said. He said it wasn't really possible to commit a crime against a black prostitute. It just wasn't a crime. Wow. Right? <laughs> oh, so that's going to bring me to a point I kind of touched on earlier. But McLean's statement is indicative of the concept of the less dead. As Little himself said, because he focused on women who were on the fringes of society, mostly drug addicts and prostitutes, he was able to avoid capture. These women weren't cared about or noticed by the general public. So the police had no real incentive to investigate when they turned up dead. Um, I would reckon that John Bonet Ramsey's murder had 10 times the police involvement than exactly. any of Samuel Little's victims. Yep. Um, according to Stephen Egger in the Encyclopedia of Murder and Violent Crime, the less dead is a term coined to refer to the majority of serial murder victims who belong to marginalized groups of society. They lack prestige or power and generally come from lower socioeconomic groups. They are considered less dead because their deaths... Or because before their deaths, they virtually never were, according to prevailing social attitudes. In other words, they are essentially ignored and devalued by their own communities or members of the neighborhoods and generally not missed when they are gone. Which is so terrible. Isn't it? Isn't it? Like just, just that definition alone is like really, really, really sad. It makes you feel really fucking sad. Um, examples are, like we said before, prostitutes, homeless, vagrants, migrant farm workers, homosexuals, ayo, the poor, ayo, elderly women, ayo, and runaways. They are often vulnerable oh in locations they frequent and easy to lure and dominate. Um, and I think perhaps it's the ultimate irony that Little has been able to pull from his own memory and draw detailed portraits of his victims, women who were pretty much forgotten by everyone else. So going back to his crimes, um, in October of 1984, Little was caught by San Diego patrol officers in the act of beating and strangling Tonya Jackson in the backseat of his black Thunderbird. He was charged with rape and assault with great bodily injury. The San Diego police connected him to a September 1984 attack on Lori Barros, who had lived to tell the tale by playing dead after being strangled and left by the side of the road. That's what you always do. You play dead. Mm. Play fucking dead. The cases were tried together with added charges of false imprisonment. Little pleaded guilty to two counts of assault with great bodily injury and one of false imprisonment. He received a four-year prison sentence, four years, for attempting to kill two different women and served only a year and a half before being paroled in February of 1987, after which he traveled 125 miles north to Los Angeles. And from there, he went on to commit over a dozen murders in L.A. alone. Do your fucking job, police. Now, if I, if this was like a four-hour podcast, I would definitely want us to go over every single one of his victims because every single one of them deserves to have their story told. 
but we're not going to hold you guys hostage for that long. Um, there is one more I want to talk about, and that is Denise Brothers. In 1994, Samuel Little bought a, brought a bunch of crack and black tar heroin for Denise and her pimp, who joined them to get high. Afterward, the pimp cheerfully patted Denise on the ass and left her with Little to pay the bill in trade. He then pulled into an alley, he said, and as she prepared to give him a blowjob, he grabbed her by the throat and tossed her over the back seat like a doll, where he strangled her with one hand while masturbating with the other. When she fought, he fought back harder. Little told her, I own you. You're mine forever. She cried, and he kissed the tears from her face. Then he squeezed the life from her. Oh, my God. Um, so a lot of my information is coming from a really great article from uh, thecut.com um, where they it's written by a writer who actually went and visited Samuel Little in prison. And they were actually interviewing him at the same time that like he it was being discovered that he had killed all of these women. And when she talks to him about him killing um, Denise Brothers. And afterwards, she kind of asks him kind of like why he does it. She says, why do you feel you need to own women? Mm -hmm. And he says, I wanted their helplessness. All I ever wanted was for them to cry in my arms. And she says, Denise cried. If it was all you wanted, why didn't you let her live? And he says, well, you got me there. Maybe it wasn't all I wanted. So like Katie said before, one of the main ways Samuel Little was able to Besides focusing on the less dead, he was also able to evade capture by constantly traveling. So here is Liz to talk about his time in California. His last time in California. Thank God. I know. Well, first of all, I would just like to point out that, well, okay, question. Do you think that a person nowadays could Mm -hmm. get away with traveling state to state and getting arrested that many times? With, like, the technology and stuff that we have. I don't know. Like, maybe. Okay. One more time. Sorry. Like, do you think it's possible for someone to get arrested in, like, 11 states and for 20 charges and, like, all this stuff and not get caught? Like, fully caught? Because that's crazy. He was arrested so many times in so many places for nothing. No, because if you're asking on, like, today, and like you said with all the technology that we have... They had a fucking cell phone. Their cell phone would ping off in That's true. the locations of where they're at. So it's not like they could deny it and be like, oh, and then I wasn't in Kentucky at that time. True. Um, so after all of his uh, doings, he moved to California where he stayed in the vicinity of San Diego. Um, in October 1984, he was arrested for kidnapping, beating, and strangling Lori Barros, 22 years old, uh, who survived. So, good for her. Woo! One month later, he was found by police in the backseat of his car with an unconscious woman, also beaten and strangled, in the same location as the attempted murder of Barros. So, he served two and a half years in prison for both of those crimes, and then he was released in February of 1987, Mm -hmm. where he moved to L.A. and committed more than ten additional murders. Yes, which is absolutely insane. Like... You mean to tell me he tried to kill someone who got away, and then he tried to kill someone who didn't get away, and we're just going to let him go? Yeah. Um, so, Little was arrested on September 5th, 2012, 
which let's just put this into perspective. I think Renee said this earlier, but I don't think we were recording. He started killing when Nixon was in office Mm -hmm. and he was not caught until Obama's second term. Yep. But he didn't commit. But his last murder was uh, in 2005. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. They weren't. He wasn't even picked up for murder. Right. Right, but like, what what made him stop in two thousand five? He's like, ah, I've been old. doing this. Yeah, he's, he was getting old. Yeah, he's seventy nine he was... now. Yeah, he was born in what the nineteen forties. Yeah, he's seventy nine. No, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Act like on Deadly Women, those seventy eight year old women haven't been cur- murdering people. Yeah, but well, yeah, of course they have. Yeah. Amen. All right, so he was arrested in two thousand twelve at a homeless shelter in Louisville, Kentucky, and extradited to California to face a narcotics charge. After which, authorities used DNA testing to establish that he was involved in the murder of Carol Eileen Elford, killed on July 13, 1987, Guadalupe Duarte Apodaca, killed on September 3, 1987, and Audrey Nelson Everett, killed on August 14, 1989. All three women were killed and later found on the streets. He was extradited again to L.A., where he was charged on January 7, 2013. A few months later, the police said that Little was being investigated for involvement in dozens of murders committed in the 1980s, which until then had been undisclosed. In connection with the new circumstances in Mississippi, the LaPree murder case was reopened. In total, Little was tested for involvement in 93 murders of women committed in the territory of many U.S. states. The trial of Samuel Little for the murders of Alfred Nelson and Apodaca began in September 2014. The prosecution presented the DNA test results, and they were 100% that bitch. As well as... (laughs) Sorry, I have to. As well as the testimony of witnesses who were attacked by the accused at different times throughout his criminal career. On September 25th, 2014, which, by the way, is, like, record timing. Like, it's very rare to go from, like, you start to finish in less mm-hmm. than a month. Oh, yeah. Um, he was found guilty and was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Fucker. Fairly narrow. Just yes. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> on the day of the verdict, Little continued to insist on his innocence. As of 2016, Little was serving his sentence at a California state prison. So, this is where things really take a turn for the interesting. Because he's been denying everything up until this point. Like, feverishly denying everything up until this point. And then, all of a sudden, Walker, Texas Ranger, comes in. And he's like... (laughs) Chuck Norris just walks... Literally, Literally, I did it all. (laughs) Literally, Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah, he goes from like, I didn't do it, to... Yeah, you want to hear about it? Yeah. I'll give you all of them details. What did he say to him to get him to confess? I have lots of interesting info. So, um, on November 9th, 2018, he confessed to the 1996 fatal strangulation of Melissa Thomas. Um, so then a week later, he was charged with the murder of Denise Christie Brothers. And then two months later, he was charged and, um, confessed to dozens of murders and may have committed more than 90 across 14 states between 1970 and 2005. Prolific. Wild. But, like, how did they get him to confess? I'm about to tell you. Okay. Please. So, <laughs> She's got all, all the deets. We're going to go on with the confessions, and then I'll give you the Walker, Texas Ranger down low. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then, 
Um, November 15th, 2018. Granted, he's already at, like, multiple life sentences. Like, no mm-hmm. parole. He's fucking... It's over. But he's still confessing. So, November 15th, 2018, um, the Russell County, Alabama DA office announced that he had earlier that month confessed to the murder of Brenda Alexander. Um, and then the next day, from Macon, Georgia... The DA office announced that he had credibly confessed to the 1977 strangling murder of an unidentified woman and the 1982 strangling murder of 18-year-old Fredonia Smith in the fall of 2018. He then confessed to the 1982 murder of 55-year-old Dorothy Richards Mm -hmm. and the 1996 murder of 40-year-old Daisy McGuire when both of their bodies were found in Huma, Louisiana. Okay, I I have a quick question. Do y'all think that some of these uh these murders that happened like in the early 70s even though just because we know from listening and watching and reading about different murders and crimes that have taken place throughout the years that they had proof that they were strangled if they were prostitutes or you know drug addicts or anything mm-hmm. that they would have just called it as a accident or oh like yeah an overdose. no yeah Even like that that was the thing yeah no like and that's the problem is i guess then um i actually read a really great book called dead men do tell tales which talks about like Sean forensic science it's such a good book i oh highly God, recommend he reads it we it. can be book buddies it's Give so it good anyways <laughs> y'all need to finish the books you already borrowed from me oh, I it's it. a library i finished them it's on my mantle oh before, yeah bring so. it back and then you've written out but more. It looks this... so good next to all my other astrology books. Yes, Once it looks really great next Insta, to my astrology books, more. too. What but the it's... fuck? <laughs> I thought you were a socialist. <laughs> I am, but I also Fine, like... Fine, I'll bring it back. <laughs> um, but it's all about how, like, forensic science developed. So before, like, there wasn't a way to defend it. Unless you, like, left <clears throat> the, like, strangle marks. Yeah, like, or the if bruises. the is broken. Yeah. But um, if he's strangling them know. hard enough to to hold to strangle them with one mm-hmm. hand and then masturbate with the other one you would think that it has to be a pretty strong grip to where they would be able to tell something and they're also like prostitutes so they probably have various bruises on them so they probably think that it's just like oh it's just another bruise yeah, how many of those though did they pin as accidental? Oh, a majority of them. That's Most what of I'm them. saying. Like, oh, that's so many. So of them. messed up when you could yes. have been like, oh, all these. Even though yes, they did not all happen in the same areas, and they were prostitutes, but mm-hmm. still, could have at least maybe he would have gotten caught a lot sooner. Oh, if yeah. Maybe we weren't just saying they're prostitutes. They probably died from a drug overdose. Exactly. Even though there's a clear bruise on their neck that looks like a hand was here. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's the semen doing on her? Somebody just walked by and saw her dead and just decided Where? to jerk it. Where did this semen come from? Like, <sighs> yeah, it's a little ridiculous. Don't even want to know how many white police officers were. Responding to these cases of it, Mississippi, black Mississippi, all of them, all of them, they only had the white trans officers in the seventies. Women that they were, you know, probably trying to dismiss as even existing at that time. So, mm-hmm. oh, exactly. All right. So basically, per month, I really like per week. He's just confessing, yeah, murder after murder after murder, and that's becoming like factual. Like they're getting proven. Like, oh, he really did do that. Wow, great. Like, check, check, check. Like, basically, he's clearing out the entire, like, missing persons list in the country. <laughs> he's like, yep, that was me. I did that. <laughs> me? Me again? <laughs> oh, yep, nope. I did that one. 
Let me draw a picture for you. <laughs> exactly. And then they were like, here's some crayons. Oh they God. really were. They were like, here's some pastels. And he's like, I've been waiting my whole life for this. Okay. Think of it. He could be a, he could have been like George Foreman, boxer artist, but instead. And all of their portraits. Of a lean, mean, fat grilling machine. None of their yes. portraits really looked the same. No. no. Like, that's how you have to know that either his imagination is like. Woo! Really? No, no, no. He was just there. wild, mm-hmm. right? No, but I'm saying like his portraits. Like if if somebody's like, oh, well, he couldn't have killed that many. Okay, like like we've said, family members have been like, okay, that looks like the person that went missing in our in yes. our family, you know, mm-hmm. back in the 70s. Um, this one looks totally different than you know the one the last one that he drew. So it's not like he was just drawing the same person over again. He was yes. doing exactly. different portraits of mm-hmm. different women with different. Facial features and colors and everything. Well, and he would tell, like, very specific details in these confessions that no one else would know. Exactly. Like, he knew that that one 55-year-old lady had dentures, and that had not been listed previously. So, it's like... In November um, 2018, still, on the 19th, the Harrison County, Mississippi Sheriff said that Little had confessed to strangling 36-year-old Julia Critchfield in the Gulfport area and dumping her body off a cliff. The next day, Lee County, Mississippi law enforcement announced that he had admitted to killing 46-year-old Nancy Carroll Stevens in Tupelo in 2005 and that the case would be presented to a grand jury in January 2019. Then the next day, Richland County, South Carolina authorities announced that he had confessed to murdering 19-year-old Evelyn Weston, whose body was found near Fort Jackson. And then he also confessed to having killed 20-year-old Rosie Hill in Marion County, Florida. So, literally, it just goes on. Though, a week mm-hmm. later, he had con- the FBI announced that the Violent Criminal Apprehension Program team had confirmed 34 of his confessions and was working to match the remainder of his confessions to known murders or suspicious deaths. So, he began making the confessions in exchange for a transfer out of the Los Angeles County prison in which he was being held. One included his confession to a previous cold case homicide in Prince George's County in Maryland, previously one of only two homicide cases in that county with unidentified victims. So, the next month, he was indicted for strangling Linda Sue Boards, age 23, to death in May of 1981. Um, And then, literally, two days later, he was convicted of killing Martha Cunningham in Knox County, Tennessee, who was 34 years old. On May 31st, 2019, the Haga County, Ohio, prosecutors announced indictments with four counts of aggravated murder and six counts of kidnapping that all accused Little of killing Mary Jo Payton in 1984 and Rose Evans in 1991. Um... I'm not going to go on and on and on and on, but just know that about every other day for two years, he's confessed to at least a murder. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about one. Here you go. No, he's he's I don't think it's that he's forgetting. I think he's literally sending them on such a wild goose chase at this point that he is like he wants them to be interested. He's like, oh, 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 did I mention this mm-hmm. person? He's like, oh, oh. you forgot about me? How about this oh. girl? <laughs> I mean, I think after like, what, 40 something years of them not paying attention to him, he's like, exactly. oh, this how I get attention? Fabulous. The attention he has not Can gotten. Can somebody tell me what sun sign life. he is? And Gemini. this is negative attention. Still. Yeah. 
If Gemini's are not the center of attention, they're gonna fucking murder everyone. Mm -hmm. So you may be asking yourself, why is he doing all this confessing? Who got him to talk? Why all of a sudden, after uh, his whole life basically Mm -hmm. of not owning up to anything, exactly, he's just spewing this out like word vomit. Mm -hmm. Well. I have a man for the job. <laughs> is, he a, is he a Texas Ranger? Do we need to play the intro? Wow, wow. Wee, wee, One Texas Ranger changed this entire case. Woo. The goal was to, quote, keep him talking, don't interrupt him, and no matter what, don't ask why he killed his victims. I mean, that's smart. Damn. They Those love to talk. were the instructions that Texas Ranger James Holland gave to the dozens of homicide detectives around the country when they got their moment with Samuel Little, hoping to solve decades-old cases and bring back answers to desperate families from the man the FBI identified this month, well, last month, as the most prolific serial killer in U.S. history. Thanks. Little ultimately (laughs) spilled forth with chilling confessions, claiming that he killed 93 women in all between 1970 and 2005 and smilingly recounting their deaths with startling clarity. But to get what they needed, detectives had to employ a certain amount of psychology, some of which made them uncomfortable, such as laughing along with him or putting up with his flirting. Miami-Dade Police homicide detective David Denmark and his partner interviewed Little in October of 2019 about two murders in the Miami area from the 1970s. Holland had told them what to expect. You have to change your attitude and you have to become his friend, Denmark said, and you have to laugh with him and make fun of his victims sometimes, sort of like, yeah, I guess at that point she deserved it. Even though you hate saying it, you want him to think, these guys are pretty cool, to keep him talking. For Denmark, Little recalled his first victim, 33-year-old Mary Brosley, saying that he would never again try to bury a body in Florida's hard limestone soil and that he had to leave part of her leg exposed. Holy Uh shit. He also confessed to killing 25-year-old Angela Chapman in 1976, saying that he started to drown her, then pulled her out of the water and strangled her. He remembered Brosley's flowered sundress and how he played with her chain necklace and marveled at her beautiful neck before strangling her. Brosley's sister, Claire Coppolino, said she had no idea her sister had moved to Florida, describing it as an absolute shock when she heard from the detective nearly 30 years later. That's insane. Can you imagine? No, I can't. Like, it's really weird. Mm -hmm. She said her initial reaction to Little's crime was anger, but then more pity for him than anything. Pity to think, I don't know what his background was, but to think this man ended up murdering all these women. Little is now 79 and is serving multiple life sentences for three killings in California. He also pleaded guilty to a 1994 murder in Odessa, Texas, which you guys know. Holland elicited scores of confessions from him last year in Texas and then set the guidelines for detectives who would later arrive in the state with stacks and stacks of old case files from California to Florida. So, um, he said that the detectives would visit him as if it was like an assembly line 
sometimes with like three to four agents a day going in. Oh, wow. Um, he also had drawn remarkably detailed color portraits of dozens of his victims that have proved helpful in cracking cases. It's like, it's so weird. And then, like Katie said, they're so specific. Mm-hmm. Each one is so different. Like, they even almost have different art styles. Yes. Like, as if it's, like, exactly how he remembers them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He has a, a photographic memory of his so victims. Weird. So, so weird. Um, As he detailed his crimes, he showed absolutely no remorse, talked candidly, almost proudly, and seemed to be enjoying himself, Detective said. At one point, he smiled when recalling a murder, and Detective Molly Langton from Fort Myers, Florida, found the corners of her own mouth turn up and was horrified. Mm -hmm. She said he was absolutely giddy. That's what threw me. She said that he also flirted with her and that Holland had braced her for that, telling her to just let it happen. Um, He also told the detectives not to bombard him with questions. Just be patient and let him fill in the blanks. If he tilts his head to the side and scratches his neck with the back of his hand, don't interrupt him. He's going back in time and reliving the crimes. That's weird that he learned so much about him in like like so few visits. Yeah, it is. It is very much like Mindhunter. When he pats his leg a certain way, pretend not to notice. He's getting aroused thinking about the killings. He's really big on respect. If he sees disrespect in the room, then sometimes he'll he'll end the interview. If you show emotion, excited or angry, then that could also end the interview. We made sure to maintain a poker face. Detective Michael Mangaluzo of Florida's Marion County questioned him. Um, he was questioning him at the time about Rosie Hill, a 20-year-old woman who was picked up at a bar and strangled Her body left in a pig pen in 1982. The detective said, knowing they had to be careful how they phrased the question to the serial killer, Mongaluzo remarked on how Little had gotten away with so many slayings over the years, and Little offered a glimpse into his motive. That's when he started talking about God, and how when God made me, he knew what I would do, the detective said, adding that Little believed he was doing what he was made to do. Yeah. I think I, like he believed I don't know I think I think part of him believes that he was made to rescue these women from this sort of life like he almost sees it as doing a good thing which is extremely fucked up but it's a way for him to kind of absolve himself from these horrific actions one of the main things at this point that Samuel Little is known for is the fact that he has created so many illustrations of his mm-hmm. victims and that was for what was the Texas Rangers guy? Texas Ranger guy? Holland. Holland? That was his last name. Okay. And that was Holland was the one who actually like gave him the pastels first and kind of inspired him to make these illustrations. So once the cat was out of the bag, so to speak, like once he had admitted to it, he was more than forthcoming with information about his murders. And in a lot of cases, for some of his victims, he was able to remember their names, but for a vast majority, he completely forgot them. But he was also um, he was also able to recall very specific details of his crime, such as where he picked the victim up, what car he was driving, where he dropped their body, and especially what they looked like. So once he was given the right materials, he started sketching portraits of his victims going all the way back to 1970. So like 
he had a photographic memory of women he had killed 40-something years prior. And when he first began sketching victims, authorities had their doubts about the number he claimed because every serial killer, like Katie's going to talk about in a minute, every serial killer inflates their body count because they want to they want to seem big and dangerous but the sheer level of detail like hair color accessories eye shape color of lipstick um authorities became more and more convinced that he was telling the truth mm-hmm. even more so when his sketches combined with the stories behind them led to positive identifications and multiple Jane Doe cases across the country um, in places as varied as Pascagoula, Mississippi, which we touched on earlier, mm-hmm. Cincinnati, Ohio, and Prince George's County, Massachusetts. Um, there's even an instance of a the family of a woman named Zena Maria Jones who claimed to recognize her face in one of his sketches. Um, a woman Little claims to have picked up in Memphis and dumped in the Mississippi River in Arkansas. Uh, however, a man named Anthony Jones, no relation, states the woman in the same sketch resembles his mother, who was found strangled on Mud Island shoreline in 1997. And police are currently investigating both cases. So it's interesting that he has such a memory of these women. And like I said before, women that in society as a whole kind of pushed aside. But he has such a vivid memory of what they looked like what accessories they were wearing. And one, you remember that a woman had purple hair, you know? Mm-hmm. It's interesting because you don't, I don't believe there's been any serial killer who has done something like this. And they are still like going back through Jane Doe cases and trying to match his details of the event and his sketches with the details they already have. So right now, we're at 50 verified cases, but it could be so many more within the next year. And it's interesting to do this episode in the middle of this playing out because in six months we could do an update and be like, hey, oh, guess how many more cases have been verified? It's fucking insane. Is it my turn? It's your turn. Take us out, Katie. (laughs) So, so like Renee said, um, what I found interesting about Samuel Little and his confessions, his murders, everything was along with our Instagram post. There's a lot of debates on a lot of different serial killers mm-hmm. as to how many people they have actually murdered. Um, and also apparently a lot of debate about what the word discrepancy means, but that's mm-hmm. neither here nor there. <laughs> um, and there's, um, you know, serial killers, ad- you know, confess to crimes that they may or may not have committed because mm-hmm. they've already committed to these other crimes or they've been caught for murdering other, you know, people, individuals and whatnot. And they're like, oh, hey, by the way, remember this person? I murdered this person. I did that. <laughs> oh, this person's missing. That was me. Um, one man in particular who confessed to more murders than Samuel Little has confessed to. Um, and there's a Netflix documentary on it. I'm sure, you know, the confession killer, Henry Lee Lucas. Um, Lucas actually took credit for almost 600 murders back in 1983. Yeah, of course he did. 600 murders. And, like, the the police were just letting him, like, continuously. I did not watch the documentary. I read up out, uh, or read up on him. It just, I mean, he just seemed like a, and the police that were involved with that were more so like, oh, yeah, let's listen to him. Let's Uh listen to what he has to say. Oh, hey, we're going to basically be his friend. Like, they treated the whole thing in a very ridiculous way. 
comical way. Well, and also I think it's a case of like that a lot of his Henry Lee Lucas's victims he was claiming were Jane Doe's right. who were sex workers and they were like, right. oh, well, we can just close this case up. Oh, Henry Lee Lucas exactly. said he killed them. Fantastic. We don't have to investigate right. it anymore. All right, cool. Well, we're out. He confessed like in 1983 and the use of DNA in crimes, you know, came not mm-hmm. too long after. Yes. So they were able to prove that he did not commit nearly as many murders as he was claiming to have done. Um, but Lucas um, was considered a, a, a serial killer. Um, he did commit a few murders. Oh, he did. Nowhere yeah, no, near. he was definitely a serial killer. Nowhere, but nowhere near, near 600. 600. Nowhere near to 90. No. Um, and his upbringing was uh, rough along the same lines as Samuel Little's. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lucas's mother was also a prostitute. Um, the difference between Sam and Lucas is Lucas actually murdered his mother in 1960. Now, I don't know if Samuel Little would have done the same as murdering his mother. I think he would have if he would have gotten I, the chance I mean, to. Maybe. I definitely think he would have. But I definitely do think that, um, like we've said this entire episode, that Little's motive for committing these murders was his absent mother and mm-hmm. it stemmed from the void that he had from not having his mother in his life exactly um and just like i said how he spent some time with his victims before mm-hmm. he would murder them like on so different weird. occasions that's a weird it's almost like he's getting that um that connection that female connection that mm-hmm. he missed for years mm-hmm. and then it turns from like this oh i have this comfort this you know this female figure in my life to Oh, well, you're a prostitute. You remind me of my mother. I hate you. I want to kill you. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I think that was, and I feel like I meant to talk about this earlier, but I, I didn't. Um, one of the things I found fascinating about his murders is it was never, like, he was never outwardly aggressive right. before the murder. He was very friendly. There were multiple times where he was like, oh, yeah, we went to the general store. Exactly. We picked up this. We picked up that. We went on a drive. We and did then this. something just like, snapped. And then mm-hmm. he's like, and then we went down an alleyway and I strangled her to exactly. death. Exactly. Right. Like it's, it's never like, I was going to kill her and then take her here. It was like, oh, we had drinks and then we went for mm-hmm. a nice little drive. And Strangling is such a personal way to murder someone because you know, yes. you're literally yeah, looking at hard. their face Ugh. or like just like waiting for them to die. Ugh. And, you know, he could have just been envisioning, like, oh, this is what I would do with my mother if she was right here. Especially, like, like, and I'm sure there were other ones where this happened, but when he talks about killing Denise Brothers and he was like, and she started crying and I kissed the tears off her face mm -hmm. and then I strangled her to death. Mm -hmm. Like, it was, I feel like the reason he remembers their faces so vividly is because every single murder was personal for him. Exactly. So weird. And there's so many of them for it to be so personal. Right? Like, that's, think that's a vendetta. think five is like, okay, I feel better now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> ah, out of my system. Okay. Oh. Like, that's an insane amount of therapy. Yes. Creepy murder. It's well, an inc- like insane, unfortunate say, though, amount. Once they get the taste of it, that's they can't, it. Mm-hmm. like, they can't go back. Like, they just mm-hmm. want more and more and more. And yes. Until we murder somebody, we're never going to know what that feels like. Well, um... We hope you enjoyed this episode of discussing the many, many killings. And we're still not done with the many, many killings. Like Renee said, we might be coming back in a few months to finish it all up. 
Update. So 23 more confirmed killings. Who knows? Who knows? Tomorrow, we could confirm 30. We yeah. don't know. Um, and yes, according to what the FBI has come out and said, he has committed the most murders among any serial killer. We are going to stick by that for now until something else has been proven. Yes. Among if, anybody else who may be a well-known serial killer. We and don't if, know. And if you have friends who are sex workers, keep up with them. Yes. Oh, my Check God. Keep up with them. Friends. Check in on them. Text them. Jesus or Christ. Take care of them. Go out and have a good time. And, exactly. Like, meet people. Women should be able to go out and have a good time and earn money however they choose to Amen. earn it. Men. Without having to get choked. Unless they want to be choked. Unless you want to be choked. Because. And then it's consensual. With <laughs> have so much fun. <laughs> As a Virgo, I cannot comment. So, if you would like to give us five stars, go to ratethispodcast.com slash conspiracy. And you can also follow us on Instagram at conspiracypodcastatl. Yes. Thank you to all of our new followers this week. We love each and every one of you. Yes. And you can also follow us on Twitter at theconspiracy. And anything else, Katie? No. <laughs> I can't wait to talk to y'all next time. <laughs> Was I supposed to say something else? I don't know. I just didn't know if you had anything else you wanted to say to finish us off. No. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, as usual, thank you all so much for listening, and we can't wait to spill some more tea with you next week. Yes. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land.